Hello and welcome to Cult Fix Radio, WCPX 66.6 in your pod store with me, your host, Django Nudo. And me, the Smut Peddler. And together, hashtag, we, we are Cult Yes. Yay. And we are back after the summer break. So very good that you decided to tune in for the second season. Tell us, to begin with, um, Spot Peddler, what did you get up to on your summer break? I have been painting walls. <laughs> That's what I've been doing. Sounds fascinating. Yeah, and but the paint dried so fast, it was fun to watch it. Oh, okay. So you're not going to make a bad comparison to more fun than a particular film on Cold Picks. No, exactly. We're not going there. No, I've been, I've been doing a little bit of swimming as well, so it's fine. How mm. about you, Django Nudo? Me? What is this summer break thing of which you speak? <laughs> I've, I've been busy uploading more films and keeping the newsletter going. And I will have my summer break. It's still, I'm getting another week or so off. But uh, no, actually, I've been outside and enjoying the north of Sweden. And uh, you have been doing some um, extermination. Yes, uh, just in time for when we were showing the Wasp Woman and Invasion of the Bee-Girls, I got a wasp invasion myself. So I think there's some sort of karma at work here for, for me, you know, challenging the wasp-bee nexus world order. That's karma for you. Definitely. But we can say this much. We never sleep. We never take a break. It's just we try to get a little time off, but we work around the clock with cult picks. Yes, and, you know, we do try to keep it up. And also because we've been having some great films uh, that came to us during this time. So, of course, we couldn't say, nah, you know, let's just leave and we'll be back in August. So we have been consistently trying to add up, you know, about five films per week. But some weeks, actually, we've been up to about 10 films now. So I don't think we're doing too badly. Yeah. And uh, so this will be a sort of a roundup, won't it, of our summer vacation or rather the movies we uploaded during our summer vacation. Yes. So we're going to look back on that before we get on to the most recent kind of um, films and topics and talk a bit about, I don't know, maybe we'll leave that for the next episode, but talk about we've got a lot of films from some very great distributors coming out later this late summer and early autumn. So lots and lots to look forward to. Where should we go from here? <laughs> Shall we talk about our Swedish partners, the old company Nordisk Tune Film? Yes, why don't we do that? So uh, we've got uh, 14 films of theirs already. And what I like about it is we're not just republishing some of the old ones that were previously available on DVD. But some of these are, well, I don't want to call them brand spanking new because they're golden oldies, but they are never seen before films. Yeah, it's true. We've uploaded already four of them. We have a contract for the whole catalog of 55 films starting in the uh, mid 40s and moving up to the late 60s. Um, so we're very proud of that. And many of these films have never even been aired on national Swedish television, which is often the case with old Swedish films. So I mean, literally, they, they were shown in the cinema about 50 years ago maybe some of them and maybe there's been one or two re-releases in this you know at the swedish film institute but they just haven't been seen not available on the home not available on tv that's very true and uh, we know that there for instance there's a facebook group of people loving old swedish films who are embracing this really really well 
and um, they are high-profile ones in terms of the kind of acting and directing caliber behind them. You know, you've got Max von Sydow in there, and you've got Max von Sydow and other ones. And Bibi Anderson, and also a couple of films by Arne Matson, who did the famous film Hon dansade en sommar, One Swedish, One Summer of Happiness. True. No, they're definitely good. So the only disclaimer here, I should say, is that once again, we do not yet have English subtitles for these films. So you can enjoy them for Max's and Bibi's acting. But if you want to make sense of the dialogue, learn Swedish or wait for us to get the subtitles up. And as always, we are going to translate and subtitles as many films as we can. Yep, definitely part of the plan. So, um, yeah, no, check it. Any ones in particular that you want to highlight or that stand out? I think that um, the film called Den Kära Leken or The Love Game is pretty interesting, which is uh, about a traveling uh, projectionist who comes to a summer house where a man has been abandoned by his wife. And this is all in black and white. But then he starts showing films for the man, and those films are in color. So you can see Bibi Anderson in beautiful color, in beautiful colored clothes. Mm. And coming back to my favorite, Max von Sydow, who has played a priest many times. You know, Father Carrigan in The Exorcist and other things. But I think this is probably the first time he played a priest. A priest in Uddarbo. Yeah, and he's very young and very talented, and he got great reviews, and he doesn't get green vomit on him this time. <laughs> and of course, there's a lot of Swedish summer. In fact, there's going to be a bit of a theme today when we get to the other theme song. But Der Engarna Blommar, I mean, this is pastoral, typical kind of Swedish summer propaganda. Yeah, and also uh, the the farm workers trying to organize yep. in a union. So there you get the whole Swedish package in in one 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 package. Is there any clip or any music or anything we want to play from any of these? Or well, let's listen to a little bit of from Den Kära Leken. Den sprack. Det var väl tråkigt. Gjorde du det med avsikt? Nej. Gjorde gjorde du? Du gjorde det med flit. Du ville ha sönder den. Ja, jag gjorde det med flit. Va? Ja, jag är trött på att fira bröllopsdag en gång i månaden. Jag är trött på att renna omkring och skaffa violer och dansa vals. Jag är trött på att höra på dina fåglar. De sjunger som jävlar. Ah! Gråter du? Varför gråter du? Uh, moving on from Sweden, although we're still here, um, we had a triumvirate triplicate trilogy triplet. We had a threesome of Roger Corman films. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Happy threesome. Three Roger Corman films. In fact, a fourth one, but it's a theme. So um, the, this this was a great little. Um, collection of oddballs well first of all we had i think in, in chronological order the first one was the fast and the furious 1955 edition so when vin diesel was just a glint in his father's eye <laughs> indeed but um it is uh features a very speedy jaguar it features you know a wrongful convicted man car chases uh blackmail kidnapping yeah it's it's trashy good fun and um yeah, I'd recommend it. Maybe not quite in the same kind of intense editing that you would see in a more recent Fast and Furious, but 
Good Roger Corman fun. Awesome. And then I happened to watch the trailer of, of uh, Viking Women uh, versus the Sea Serpent, and we just had to have that. And uh, looking at the film, I was quite astonished, and I just loved the fact that the, the evil kind of f- f- effeminate uh, prince in the film is played by the same actor who was Seymour in the original uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, right. Yes, true. Um, Roger Corman did like to recycle the same kind of actors because mm. he knew that, you know, he could depend on them of just sort of um, act fast, you know, don't complain and just get on with it. In fact, I read something good during the summer, which is that, you know, these were films by producers who only knew one for whom it, there was only one dirty word, and that was take two. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. So after the Viking women, we had uh, Swamp Women. Oh, yeah. Which, again, is kind of hot, steamy action down in the Louisiana swamps. It's a uh, women prisoners on the run, and they're going to find some stolen gems. But what they don't know is that one of them is a traitor. It's an infiltrate uh, policewoman. So things go horribly wrong, and there are snakes and alligators and real alligators, you know, because mm. Roger Corman couldn't afford fake alligators. So just cheaper, you know, nah, we'll throw in a real alligator, you know, try not to get bitten. I hope they fed them well before the, the takes. Being Roger Corman, I think he skimped on that too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But again, um, great trashy fun. And then we have the uh, third Roger Corman. Actually, we're not going to do the fourth one, uh, but which was? Oh, I think you've had them all. We're going to swamp women? Yes, that yeah, is. Yeah. We're going to save the fourth one. Yeah. So are we going to play a little clip then from Viking women? In ships of their own making, sleek and wind fast, Viking women set out to combat the unknown terrors of uncharted seas. In spite of the fables told of the gigantic, the gargantuan, the fearsome great sea serpent. After unbelievable adventures, they reach the land of Stark the Cruel, the vicious, who holds men captive and Viking women chattels. Turning them over to men who take women in pursuit of violent pleasures, pleasures that must end in the thrust of the spear into warm flesh. We've had, um, we're going to cover a few more of the films that were out while we were having semi-summer break, but let's talk a little bit about the kind of theme weeks that we worked our way through during these hot summer weeks. Shall we begin in the Swedish archipelago? Let's do it. And this is part of our long-term campaign. This has been, campaign's been going on for a good, I think, 20 years, started on VHS, progressed through DVD, and now we are slut-shaming Stellan Skarsgård. Should it's actually called Stellan shaming now. Stellan shaming. Yeah. Yep, we're Stellan shaming him for his, you know, shameful or shameless waving about of his willy in yeah. countless films yeah. and groping women gratuitously mm. and all sorts of kind of um, nakedness and, and frivolity. Yeah. So why are we talking about Stellan? Well, he had his 70th birthday. I mean, you wouldn't guess it from looking at these films where he's such a, you know, he he could be like the son of his sons. He could mm. be Alexander's like kid brother. Mm. I mean, they do look a lot alike. Yeah. Yeah. So, but there he is, you know, long hair, running about mostly in the buff in the Swedish archipelago for for what reason? It's some intricate family drama, this first one. Yeah, the, the first one was um, I, a summer lover or, or Strandhuggi Somras. 
Um, Stellan had just uh, been, well, before this, he was a child actor and he became a child star in Bombi Bit och Jag, Bombi Bit and Me, which was based on a very famous Swedish novel uh, and was on Swedish television, national television, everyone knew of him. But then he came into a sort of a slump. He, I know he was working in the wardrobe at the Royal Dramatic Theatre. And really, really wanted to get into acting. And uh, so he did these um, three movies. So it's kind of like all these actors who began in, in like the Disney Channel, Disney Club. You know, I forget, it was Ryan Gosling and then mm. all the Selena Gomez. And then they feel, no, I have, I have to like, prove my acting credentials, my grown-up credentials. I will strip off. Yeah, and be in a movie, in a movie theater. Yep, for most of the thing. Now, um, I, a summer lover... It's actually it's a good film in terms of I like the fact that it's the the structuring of in terms of the timing. It's sort of a bit what obviously a lot of other people have done, but famously Tarantino did in Pulp Fiction in terms of the time moves forwards and backwards, and we follow the fates of this um, father and then his daughter and then you know his wife and her summer lover who is Stellan, and then it all gets sort of neatly tied up at the end there. Yeah, and uh, the funny thing with the with the actors in the film, apart from Stellan, is that you have Anne Birgit Garde, who was the big star of the f- famous Danish sex comedies in the early 70s. Mm. So she was lent out to Sweden. And also, which is my kind of favorite thing here, is that Siv Inger was in it, who was a very, very famous pop star, and she was uh, very well endowed. So it's it's lovely to see her in this film. She she had big lungs, definitely. Yes, that's hence her beautiful singing voice. Yes, but interesting. I did not know that about the Danish MILF mother, because normally it's always Diane Shatter who's mm. that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, and beautiful <clears throat> Stockholm Archipelago as well to recommend it. So um, is there a music clip or something we can play from that? Let's play a little something from it. We move on to Stellan's perhaps most famous film, which is, of course, Anita. And Swedish Nymphet. And I hadn't appreciated that there was only a few months age difference between Christina Lindbergh in the lead and Stellan. He was about six months younger because mm. she doesn't look it, of course, but, you know, she has had a big birthday this year. Mm. And But in terms of maturity, I mean, she must have done so many more films and been so much more part of the world. I mean, she must have been a little bit intimidating because she was so famous, which Stellan Skarsgård was not at this point. Yeah, and she was so beautiful as well. And um, Swedish television had a documentary about Christina a few years ago, uh, where they interviewed Stellan, and he said, I was so in love with Christina during the shoot of Anita, and I wrote her hundreds of love letters, but I never sent one of them. Oh, that is That is so sad, you know. Imagine... The acting dynasty that Stellan has spawned with his current wife, you know, but imagine what could have been between him and Christina. That's, you know. Yeah, that whole dynasty would have been wiped out. Yeah. (laughs) 
True. But it's it's a fun movie, uh, and of course the story, as we've talked about maybe before, is that she is a teenage nymphomaniac. He is a psychology student who was supposed to cure her. Now, speaking of nymphomaniac and Stellan Skarsgård, there seems to be a bit of an echo going on in his career in this regard. Yeah, I think he plays a psychiatrist in another movie. Yeah, this is the shameless ripoff by Lars von Trier, who, without asking us for permission, went and did Nymphomaniac, and uh, to add insult to injury, cast Stellan in one of the leads. Yeah, fucking, you know, ripoff guy. Yeah. Uh, we'll Jeez. see him in court yeah. at some point, yeah. or maybe we'll rip off one of his films in Revenge. Maybe. But uh, no, yeah, it's, it's a fun movie, uh, and we have some great news about it. It, will, it is actually restored by the Swedish Film Institute uh, digitally uh, from the original negative. So that will be released on Blu-ray in this fall, and we, of course, will upload this high-def version on Cultpix. But before that, we're going to be kicking off our cinema season with Anita as well this autumn. True that. We will go theatrical with an evening with Christina Lindberg on the 30th of August in Bio Aspen in Aspuden, Stockholm, Sweden, Earth, the universe. And hopefully coming to more cinemas as well, but we will announce details about that later. So we don't need to talk anymore about Anita. I think we'll be doing hyping it up in advance of that release. But tell us a little bit about Stellan's third film, yeah, but now we are getting into the real slut shaming here because this is a film called Inkrektana or The Intruders. And uh, I mean, the two earlier films, Stellan was uh, acting uh, against some legit actors that were quite well known. Uh, in uh, Inkrektana, most of the cast are hardcore porn actors. Yeah, I mean, this, and, and surely he could not have been unaware of the fact because obviously. Uh, Christina, you know, pose model, but you know, these are people who did organs in motion kind of films. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for one of them, of course. Speaking of shaming, we can go Brit shaming a bit about Chris Chattel, who who uh, was in this film. <laughs> yes, poor Emmerdale actor Chris Chattel. Um, but no, we're here mainly to Stellan shame. So, and this film was available in two versions, both of which are on cult picks. Yeah. The R-rated version and the triple X version. Mm. So check them both out if you want your maximum dose of Stellan shame. So that was Stellan's nude career, those three films. Uh, he has been quoted as saying, I might have made one film, but I don't remember. You can't get away with that with film Stellan. No, we're here to shame you. Um, but years later, I think you were there when Stellan and Christina had a reunion. Oh, yeah. It was a coincidence uh, at the Lübeck Film Festival, Nordische Filmtage in Lübeck, Germany. Uh, Christina was there for a retrospective about, I think, uh, Scandinavian erotica. So she was on a panel with Jörn Donner, who we have a couple of films by in Cultpix. And uh, Stella was there with a new film. And at the, um, at the, the party finishing off the film festival, uh, me and Christina were there. Stella was in the bar with his back turned against us and she said turn on your video camera i haven't met with stellan since 1973 you have to catch this (laughs) historic moment and i did so she patted his shoulder he turned around and uh, you can never guess what happened then (laughs) there was magic in the air 
yeah, it was lovely. They were talking for hours, and he he was so happy to meet her and and she him. It was just great. Yeah. No, they're both lovely. Maybe one day we'll be able to actually get them together mm. on stage, or maybe one of his sons will come and you know talk openly about Stellan shaming. Yeah, or we could do Anita too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fuck you, Trontrier. But um, I think that concludes the Stellan season. Uh, let's talk Oscars or Cannes, because the Cannes Film Festival has recently finished uh, a bit later this year. Uh, the Winning film sounded very interesting, you know, evil or strange horror French, a bit Cronenbergian. Uh, Spike Lee was the president of the jury, and one of the films which I think was programmed in his honor was a retrospective look at the first major African American director, um, studio owner, producer, Oscar Michaud. And we have five films of his on cult picks, including the one that was shown in Cannes, although the Cannes one was a beautifully restored version, which is not what we have yet on the site. Yeah, and this only goes to show that uh, uh, there is nothing racist about being untalented. Anyone can be untalented. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I mean, we don't have him on the site on cult picks because it's worthy, because it's first African-American director. Of course, that's great. But he has been called by film historians then badder than Ed Wood. And apparently, the longer his career went on, the worse his films got. His, his early black and or silent films, actually, you know, they, they have power. Um, you know, very gripping. I mean, the first one's got a very um, harrowing lynch lynching scene. And, you know, it's, it's a real indictment of the kind of racist America that existed when he grew up at the turn of the century. But he was also doing the classical uh, exploitation uh, themes in his films. He did. And also, I should say that we have a very special person to thank for these films, as always. Ciao, Simone! Grazie, molto grazie. I think we blew the microphone on that one. Sorry. Um, but the other reason that it's worth watching the Oscar Michaud films is that he, like no other director, actually captured black entertainment of that era. I mean, this is the era of the Cotton Club. This is the era of the, you know, the hype watermark of jazz. And he actually had the original talent. This is not how white Hollywood perceived it. This was black entertainment by black filmmakers for black audiences. If you want authentic, if you want the kind of real Harlem uh, musicians, the Harlem showgirls and dancers, you have to watch um, his films. And he worked with some of the great, greatest talents of that. So why don't we wrap our Oscar Michaud, because we can't go into all five films, so we take up the whole podcast. Why don't we play a musical clip from one of his films? Hot diggity dog, right down my alley. <laughs> Hawkins is the name. What might be yours? Now, before we get on to the third theme, uh, I just want to say that we're going to skip over one of the films, 
because we had a theme week which consisted of one and one and only film, which was Pulgasari, the North Korean Godzilla. And the reason we're skipping over it is not because it's only one film, but because it is such an amazing film and such a crazy story behind it that I think we have to devote a special podcast to it. Yeah, and we're also doing more kaiju-style films, so we could make that a whole episode. Yeah, exactly. We've got some kaiju films, monster films, on cult picks. We're going to be getting some more, but we want to be talking to some real kaiju experts when we do this. So um, look out for a special episode about kaiju pulgasari. That's going to be coming. But in the meantime, there's one more topic that we did cover, and it's... What is that we hear? Those are the wasp women flying around us. An invasion of the bee girls. It is such a great double bill and so obvious that I I don't think I hadn't seen anybody else do it before. So I was super happy that we were able to be able to bring those two films together. And, you know, it it sort of lends itself because we're all about bee films. (laughs) (laughs) Queen bees of bad films, all of these things. Now, first of all, I should say... One of them is another, the fourth Roger Corman film, which is The uh, Wasp Woman. And it's a very interesting film because it is a shameless knockoff of The Fly, the 20th Century Fox film, which just came two years earlier. And they're just trying to cash in on this. But of course, here, instead of a mad man scientist, which we always have, it's a mad female scientist. And but she's also into cosmetics, right? She's the head of a cosmetics company, and she is worried about aging. And she comes up with this uh, serum, which is made from the uh, royal jelly of bee or wasp. And you know, she applies it, makes her look immediately, you know, two decades younger. But of course, there is a horrible price to pay, as there would be in any fly knockoff. Yeah, and it's interesting, though, that they made two films about women turned into bees. I mean, it's not a very given idea that, oh, I must make a movie about women who become bees or, you know. Well, if you, if you think about it, I mean, there are so many great male monsters and, and monsters are, you know, maybe inherently male. I mean, maybe there are female werewolves, probably as well. There are definitely female vampires, mm. but it's always kind of guys who get the top monster billing. Swamp monster, you don't want that to be. A woman or monster for black women. So what genres, sort of what monsters are left for women? It's true. Wasps and bees are an obvious one. In fact, I don't know why there aren't more of them. And well, there might be. We have to grow. Oh. Dig deep. Yes, we do. Um, but Invasion of the Bee Girls, uh, also good. And, you know, you can get some pretty freaky effects just with the bee eyes. You know, they, they wear sunglasses the mm. whole film. And then they take them off and they got these completely black eyes. And it's a simple but really, really creepy effect. And, of course, their sex. Because it's all about mating and killing men. And uh, also another horrific science experiment gone wrong with mad female scientists. So, great double bill. In fact, I think we should program it at a cinema at some point. Yeah, definitely. So that concludes pretty much all of our triple or three theme weeks that we had during the summer. So if you haven't had a chance, all of the films can still be found on Cold Picks. We haven't grouped them together. In fact, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to move all of the 
text about these films uh, from the um, news site to the blog site. So there's a bit of construction work going on on the website and uh, that should make it easier to find them. But yeah, look out for them. They're all on the site still. Yeah. And then we've uploaded a bunch of, of, of uh, single films, but they also turn up to be themes when we look at them more closely. And one is, of course, that we have found and uploaded two more films from um, Something Weird Video. Yes. So we have been wanting to do this for a long time, but it's been very hard to get hold of them. Um, even though there should be more coming, courtesy of the great Lisa Petrucci, if you didn't hear her in our 12th and final season one uh, Radio Cult Picks, then do listen to it. But yes, so we've got Girls Come To and A Touch of Sweden. So Girls Come To, I, I posted this one and we got a lot of sniggering online. So <laughs> Girls Come. But that's not what it means. Do you know what mm. the title refers to? I think it has something to do with nudism. Yes. So it's about a nudist colony. And it's not just men who go to nudist mm. colonies. Girls come too. Right. Yeah. There you go. So it's pro-nudist propaganda, but great excuse to have, you know, Buxmas females and males strip off for the camera. Yeah. And we've seen some reactions on Twitter, which is kind of interesting. We really don't know what they mean, but it's, people are discussing this title. And it's they're feeling very, very strongly about it. So if you're not following us on Twitter, do follow us and check out the Twitter thread about this particular film. It's interesting. Yeah. And then we have a touch of Sweden, which is really interesting. Uh, I love the poster because all of the names have little dots above them, like we have in Sweden with the letters O, A, E. But yeah. they put them everywhere. But it's a totally American film. Uh, it's uh, Ushi Digard starring, who was actually born in Sweden. But the whole film is shot in America. So uh, she talks about her memories of her Swedish vacation, I think. Mm. I think there's a shot of plane ride over Sweden. Probably. But yes, it's, it's, not, it's one of those fakey, sweetie films, which I think there was a book about that recently. Maybe we should mention that book. But yeah, I heard about it. it I, I read about it, too. It sounds pretty interesting. I think, I think you wrote it, even. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. It's so, called Do You Believe in Swedish Sin? And you can find it in our web store. That's right. Now, um, having done uh, Girls uh, Come and Sweden 2, uh, we're back to Early, Price and Late Lee. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Everyone has to have their, their you know, crawling before walking period in their life. And everyone, unfortunately, might do some a couple of films too many at the end of their career. <laughs> so, shock... Uh, which is one of the early Vincent Price films, is interesting because it's one of the first time I think he gets into his whole mad scientist, evil doctor kind of thing, which obviously he perfected in, in many, many later films. But this is a chance to see how that formative, you know, Vincent Price madman role came about, which obviously got him cast in plenty, plenty more. And uh, End of the World is a Christopher Lee film. And according to rumor, he was very upset doing it because he had been promised other star talent to play, you know, co-star co, co, uh, with. And they weren't there. Which, let's face it, isn't that how most producers get films made? They, like, they, they go to an actor and say, but, you know, A has promised to be in it. So you, B, you should definitely star against him. And then they go to B and say, but A is committed. So... Yeah, yeah, it just didn't work out beyond Christopher Lee. But he should have known that by then. Yeah, he was pretty old. I, in fact, he was in his 80s. So mm. anyway, it, 
It's an interesting end of the world kind of film. It's got a few, um, you know, telling scenes, but and it's got a, a cover which um, one of our friends pointed out is a blatant ripoff of Jean-Michel Jarre's cover for Oxygen, with a kind of globe peeling back to reveal a skull underneath it. I, you know, obviously shamelessly stealing, lying, and and doing everything to get this film made. Yeah, and then we go, you know, over to some. Uh very singular films but one of them will be part of a kind of a theme in the early 60s there were a bunch of co-productions made in sweden swedish american co-productions they were all action movies and we've uploaded a film called 40 48 hours to live or med fara för livet which is uh, situated in the beautiful island of gotland there's some spies there's some scientists with a secret and um, well you know the story but it has one particularly interesting um, actor in it. It's the uh, Swedish world heavyweight champion in boxing, Ingemar Ingo Johansson, in a short scene. Oof. You know, anything to put a name on the poster to attract people. But we've been chatting for quite a while. Should we take another musical clip break from one of the films? Yeah, let's. I mean, I would love to hear some of the dialogue from A Touch of Sweden. Maybe we can do that. I don't think a country has anything to do with what men are like. Like, a good lover is a good lover, no matter where he comes from. An American woman really can be a queen because the man does everything for her. He spoils her, he treats her beautifully, he helps her in the house. It's unbelievable. I think they, they're not accustomed to that so much, but they do other things for you, and they bring you presents all the time. Okay, we're coming to the end here of the wrap-up of the films that were shown while we were on summer semi-break. Um, first one is a bit of a favorite of mine, and I'm super thrilled that we were able to program it, because it came about because we discovered that it was the anniversary of the birth of Todd Browning. Mm. But of course, we do not yet have the rights to Freaks or any of his other films. We hope to, you know, from our good friends. they're all with Universal. No, Warner Brothers. Oh, Warner Brothers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, even close to them. Mm. Um, where's Universal? I get confused. Anyway, we hope to get it. However, many, many years before Freaks, he was involved in this bizarre short film, a really drug comedy a sh kind of Sherlock Holmes knockoff called The Mystery of the Leaping Fish with Douglas Fairbanks, who's always kind of a wholesome hero type, playing... You know, this, is, this is like a Will Ferrell comedy from like a hundred years earlier. Uh, he plays a detective called... a scientific detective called Coke Any Day, whose life is run by drugs. He's even got a clock that sort of tells him whether it's time for dope, sleep, eat, or drink. <laughs> It's, you know, can't do it justice in the podcast, really. But And he goes on solving mysteries, mainly solved by either taking copious amounts of drugs or injecting other people with drugs. But eventually he gets, he you know, and, you know, and then he celebrates by taking even more drugs. So, I mean, this is not a film that would have been made 10 or 20 years later. They, you know, when the Hays Code came in. I'm amazed that they got away with it back then. So The Mystery of the Leaping Fish, do check it out. It's a real oddity. Sounds awesome. Um, I I used, many, many years ago, I worked at the um, Cinematheque at the Swedish Film Institute and did a uh, David Cronenberg complete retrospective, 
which was uh, fun to do because we uh, reinstalled all the uh, cuts that the Swedish Board of Censors had made in the films. Oh, really? I and, didn't know that. Yeah, and the thing was that they, they cut them pretty badly, and the films, they had been shown in theaters for a long time, so they were super scratched and red, but the violent, violent clips were in pristine quality. <laughs> so as soon as you got one of those censorship clips in, it was like, beautiful and the rest was like scratched so that was an experience but we also found some of his shorts and now we have found them here yes but that's an amazing story i didn't know about that and Mm. i think somehow david cronenberg would thoroughly approve of this because it's just bizarre but yeah so program x was a tv series by the canadian broadcasting corporation where they gave money a little bit of money, but a lot of freedom to aspiring and up-and-coming filmmakers, one of which was this David Cronenberg character who'd only done, I think, was it Shivers before that and Rabbit afterwards? My Cronenberg chronology isn't that great. Yeah, and he did a couple of school films as well. He did. Um, so he did this film, which is about half an hour long, called Secret Weapons, and it explores a lot of the same themes, obviously, that crop up in later Cronenberg films. So... It, you know, it doesn't fully have time to develop them, but you could definitely see the seeds of later Cronenberg in it. So for anybody who is really into David Cronenberg, if you haven't seen this, do watch it. If you want to get a taste of what sort of Cronenberg film is like, watch it as well. So check it out. Secret Weapons Program X. Cool. And the the last two films that have been uploaded, you know more about them than me. So uh, just feel free to, you know, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, Disappearance of Flight 412, UFO films, a little bit conspiracy, 1970s. It has David Soul in it from Starskin Hutch. I think this might have been slightly before Starskin Hutch, but yeah. Anyway, UFOs, planes, conspiracies, made for TV movie. It's good fun. Um, And I have a couple of albums with David Soul, actually, because I kind of collect actors doing music. I actually met and knew David Soul. He was living in London, and he played for me, actually, a small group, four of us. So, you know, an really? evening with David Soul on just the four of us, guitar solo. So beat that. Wow. Uh, and finally, a Western, just to show what kind of breadth and range we have, which is Abilene Town, which is farmer against cowboys in this cattle town of Abilene in Kansas. My accent's slipping here. Um Classical Western, but um, really just an excuse for having uh, showgirls on in the middle of all this and big song and dance numbers where they get to, you know, can-can their legs. Um, lovely legs, they great singing. In fact, we might finish with a bit of a musical clip from that. Cool. So Abilene Town, check it out. So as you see, we have not been uh, sitting idly around during our vacay. Or painting walls and doing nothing but <laughs> But we also have coming, and we're starting very slowly now, because the DVDs have arrived from our good friends at Vinegar Syndrome. Indeed. It was a little bit of an adventure getting them. They were forwarded, FedEx, back and forth. But we got there in the end. We're busy ripping and uploading at the moment. So we've got no less than at least 18 titles, maybe more. Yeah, and it's a beautiful mix of genres. There's some pretty cool... 80s sci-fi that I'm looking forward to. Um, There's a bit of uh, nudies and there's a little bit of erotica. And then we have these amazing films that are both 
everything. Uh, everything. They are different genres, and there will be a thematic uh, week in our uh, podcast uh, later on, where we will explore a very, very specific genre. Explore and exploit vinegar mm. syndrome. So, just a little trailer, a little teaser of things to look forward to. But I think that's been a very quick and very intense run through yep. of most things that happen over our summer holiday. Anything to add to that, Smart Peddler? No, well, we have a bunch of cool themes coming up and films coming up, and we are getting a load of more titles from Something Weird video as well. So uh, we are expanding, we are growing, and you will have lots of fun episodes of Cultpix Radio coming up in the fall. Yep. So stay tuned for more details. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, why not give it a five-star rating or give it a rant on whatever platform it is that you're downloading from, whether it's Spotify or Apple Music and so on. It helps us to be visible. So give us a shout. And as always, you can get in touch with us, info at coldpicks.com. We're available on most social media, not TikTok, but find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Follow us. Give us a shout. Tell us what you'd like to see on the platform. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Tell us anything, really. Yeah, we always appreciate your your suggestions for films because we will dig deep for the rights for, for, for the right titles. But for now, that's all from me, Django Nudo. And me, the Smut Peddler. And let's finish with a clip from Abilene Town. People seem to think I'm playing hard to get. I must confess that what they say is true. And I'm gonna keep on playing hard to get with everyone that is except with you. All you gotta do is snap your fingers and I All you gotta do is clap your hands And I'll come running anywhere All you gotta do is give a whistle I'll be at your feet And if you should wonder do I love you There's a very simple little test All you gotta do is 